Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Well, hi everyone. Welcome to church. It's, I'm so glad to be with you and be in your homes or wherever you are watching from. And I'm a, I've, got a, I've got a word in season. I'm going to try to deliver this the best way I can. And I always want to be the first one to admit that no one on this planet could ever do justice to God's word and his love and his goodness because we all want to reflect the glory of God. We want to show people how amazing God is. And uh, I want to speak about the season we are facing right now and obviously to GGC Life Church, but also I want to speak to the church across Australia and the nations of the world because it's, I believe this is in the heart of God. Um, we want to hear what the Lord is doing and saying. And in this season of uh, unprecedented times, it's like everyone... In the nations of the world, when you think about it, uh, the church's doors, in a sense, the physical buildings are closed, but the church isn't closed. The church is still growing, still increasing. God's kingdom has no end of its increase, but the, the buildings are shut. So it, it's still a, a pretty big phenomenon when you think about all around the nations of the world. It's not just one or two. You know, we've got to, we've got to, don't, don't feel isolated in Australia. Don't think it's just your your community, your city, your little church. It, it's happening right around the world. This is something that our children will speak about. This is something that we will speak about it for years to come when we're over and through this. So what is God intending? What is God wanting to do in this time? I believe many, many, many people are, are, are speaking. The prophets have spoken and the prophets are speaking. And, and I think a lot of them are saying the right things. It's, it's, it's exactly what God wants to do. This is on God's heart. We, we've heard words like God wants to reset us. He wants to bring us into realignment. He, he wants to, you know, paradigm shift the church back into what God wants us to have. And, and so it's a time of, yes, repose, uh, get before God. It's time to repent 100%. All these truths are right. And, and God is doing that. It's a time of shifting. It's major shifts. It's a perfect opportunity for a major shift in the church. But I, I want to encourage that shift in the church, changes in the church doesn't happen just overnight. It doesn't happen just because the church buildings are shut down and when we go back, it's all going to be different. It doesn't happen like that. It happens through this way. Can I tell you how it happens? It happens through revelation knowledge. Revelation. You, you and I have to get revelation of truth. This is how it always happens. It doesn't ever change. You have to get revelation knowledge through your relationship in Him. Because if it's not through relationship, you just get information. You, we can't just get information. It won't change our hearts. It has to be out of revelation knowledge from the heart because of our relationship with Jesus, because of our relationship with Him. And so God, yes, is he's prioritizing. Yes, the gods of this world to some degree, let's say the idols of this world or the idols of our hearts uh, are, are being judged in, in the sense a lot of them have been taken away. You know, we haven't had a very, very strong lockdown in Australia. We have, but compared to some nations... It's complete lockdown, you know. Like so, so the things that they maybe have at, had as idols are, are now no longer there. Now it's our season in God as a church, because I believe God brings judgment to the church first, and I do believe this is just the beginning. 
of the birth pains. It's like the beginning of the last days. Remember, the, is this the last days? Is this the sort of the sign of the last days? This, this is nothing compared to what's going to happen in the, in the planet. What the book of Revelation talks about, the book of Daniel and Matthew 24, what Jesus refers to about the last days and all these is pestilences. He, Jesus said in the last days there'll be many pestilences. That means, that means plagues. That means viruses. Exactly what's happening. And, but this is affecting the whole globe. And so what is God doing in the season? Yes, he wants our church, the church, his church, his bride, to fall in love with him. Obviously to reset to get rid of our wrong priority, priorities and put them in the right priorities. And it's, so I want to speak. My, my title of this message is Jesus and His Word is our prototype. In other words, the word prototype, let me give you the definition of prototype. It's a first or preliminary version of a device or a vehicle from which other forms are developed. So it's the first one that we get the prototype from a particular it's a vehicle, that's the prototype, but then we make every other vehicle from that. Jesus is the prototype. And in the Bible, every scripture, there's about four different scriptures that I can give you. It talks about Jesus being the firstborn from many among many brethren. The firstborn among many brethren. Other scriptures say it's the firstborn, he's the firstborn from the dead. The word firstborn literally in the Greek is prototokos, which is the same word we take prototype from prototykos tokos i don't know if i'm saying it right for you greeks out there obviously i'm not and uh it says um it, the word prototypus actually speaks to let me it's through the idea of the proprietorship the proprietorship of the manufacturer in other words to fabricate found form originally from the creator in other words, if there's a created thing it's to create from that created thing it's the prototype jesus is the prototype i mean obviously jesus says the as the father has sent me we know he gives us this command as the father has sent me i now send you he's talking to his disciples he also says the works that i do shall you do also because i go to the father and greater works than these shall you do when he went to heaven he took all authority from Satan, and he says, all authority has been given unto me. Therefore, you go and make disciples. His mission became our mission. He gave us his mission. We, the Bible talks of, of us as believers, as disciples of Jesus. We're followers of Christ. The scriptures in Romans 8 that says that we are uh, uh, to be conformed, transformed into the image of his dear son. We're to be transformed into the image of his dear son. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about that we are transformed into the very image of what we see in the mirror of the glory of God. When we reflect His glory, when we look at the glory of the Lord, we are transformed into the very image of the glory that we see. There's just so many scriptures in, second, sorry, in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. It says that we are created in Christ Jesus. That word created literally means through the idea of to fabricate, similar word to prototype, it's to fabricate from or to manufacture from the original creation. Ephesians 4 verse 24 says, The new man is created after God in righteousness and true, right, and true holiness. The new man being the new man in Christ. Now why am I saying all this? Because we all, we're looking at the new thing. We're looking for the new thing. What's God doing in this season? What's the new thing? What's the fresh thing? What's the, okay, he's resetting us. What is he resetting us to? Is if, he, if he's realigning us, what is he realigning us to? 
He's realigning us to Jesus and his word. The reason why I want to add Jesus, because some, I mean, his word, is because some people think, well, we're just we're aligned to Jesus. Yeah, 100%. I mean, he is the prime example of what we're to follow. He's, perfect image of the, he's a perfect expression of the image of God. But when I say his word, it's because everything in the New Testament has already been revealed. New Testament Christianity has been written. It's, we're supposed to, that is our pattern. What's in the word is the pattern of what we're supposed to realign ourselves to. So I've been listening to many people in these last days, which I'm so excited about, many great apostles of our nation, of Australia, prophets uh, around the world, and, and even within Australia, I've heard many, many different movements and leaders of different movements saying some amazing things about what God's bringing into, what God's realigning us to. And they're, they're saying things like, um, we're not just going to have apostolic vision or a pastoral vision, but we're gonna, every believer is going to have vision. That's, a, that's exactly what God's doing. But you know what? That was always in the Bible. Because the Bible, that's another way of saying the priesthood of all believers, that every believer is a priest. Every believer is connected to God. Every believer can hear from God directly and get vision from God. And so, yes, what's God doing? He's bringing us back to that original pattern. That's already in the Word of God. Uh, I've heard people say that it's all about the kingdom. It's all about uh, not, not the denominations, not the movements, not the things that we've erected, 100%. It's about the gospel and His kingdom. Jesus came to preach the kingdom of God. He says, go everywhere you go. You look in the Bible, what was the message of Jesus? He, he preached the kingdom of God, the domain of the king. And the gospel, is, in its context of good news, is the gospel of the kingdom. We've made it the gospel of a church, or we've made it the gospel of our little you know, movement. But what God is doing is bringing us all back to His kingdom. And when God, So what's God doing? He's bringing us back to the Word. He's bringing us back to the original pattern. Jesus being the prototype. Uh, you know, that if Jesus is anointed to heal the sick, guess what? You as a believer is, are also anointed to heal the sick. He's bringing us back. I've heard people say that God's about habitation and no, not just visitation. So in the past, we've only had visitation. Yes, some great visitations. And you might have had a visitation. I've had visitations. But have we really, have we really lived in habitation? Has the church really lived in habitation? We've had outpourings of revival in Azusa Street and Welsh revival. And you can talk about all the outpourings. Some of them were visitations for two, three years, some of them into four, five years, but they never lasted because it was a visitation. But God is saying habitation. You know what? You, you screen the word. Please hear what I'm saying. Don't hear with your filter. Hear with the filter of the word of God. If you screen the New Testament and you've screened the, the whole purpose of the gospel, you'll understand that God's original purpose was always habitation. He never just wanted to visit us. He wanted to make his home live in us. He moved out of the Holy of Holies and went into the very temple of, the, of our bodies. He now lives in us. That's habitation. So just because we haven't lived up to the Word, and then God brings a revelation, a new revelation. When we say new revelation, it's still the original pattern in the Bible. You following me? Please track with me because this is very important that we understand. So we're talking about, I want to read a scripture here that Jesus gave, Matthew chapter 9, verse 16 to 17. He says, no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into an old wineskin 
or else the wineskin break and the wine is spilled. The old and the wineskins are ruined, but they put new wine into new wineskin and both are preserved. You got to imagine a wineskin was, a, was, a, was animal skin. It was leather, but they oiled it with oil. And they say so when, when it's new, it had lots of space to be flexible and grow. When you put new wine in new wineskin, it expands, it's flexible, it, it grows. The, wine, the new wine has to ferment, it, it enlarges itself. And if you put it in an old wineskin that's rigid, that's dry, there's no, got no oil on it, no Holy Spirit on it, and it's rigid, dry, and if it's already done all its stretching possible and it can't stretch anymore, you put new wine in an old wineskin, it will burst. It will break, it will expand, and it's spilled, wastes the new wine, breaks the wineskin. But God, Jesus is, in the context of that scripture, when he quotes that, you know what they were saying to him? They were saying, how come we, dis- we, we disciples fast, uh, John's, dif- John's disciples fast, Pharisees' disciples, they fast, how come your disciples don't fast? And Jesus said, look, as long as the bridegroom's around, the, the friends of the bridegroom shouldn't mourn and fast. Because when you think about it, when you go to a, a wedding and the bridegroom's there, you're not going to fast in the day of the wedding. You celebrate. Jesus was walking around with them. He said, that's not the time to fast while I'm with you. You're just going to ask me questions. I can tell you exactly the answer. But when I'm gone, you will fast. And I believe he used this example to say, in the new creation, once you are resurrected from your dead spirit, and now, so he's basically talking about you're spiritually dead. When you've been resurrected with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit raises your dead spirit, and the Holy Spirit lives in you, then you're a new wineskin. The new wineskin is actually the new creation in Christ Jesus, where God creates us to be, creates us to be like the prototype, Jesus. And he's basically saying, you don't put, it's no use me getting my people, my, disciples to fast now because they're spiritually dead I'm with them right now but when there'll be a day when I go they'll be resurrected their, their wine skin will be new and I can give them new wine skin so, so what's a wine skin? it's the container of the new wine the new wine is the Holy Spirit it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So the wineskin is the container. It's the structure. It's, it's everything we call structure. Now, structure can be man-made, worldly. We can even import it from the world, the businesses, the, you know, the companies, the corporations. If that's the way they do it, we church, if we don't believe the Bible, we go, well, that's how the way the world does it. Let's incorporate that in the church. We should not look nothing like the world. And what, what the problem with the church is we look at the world and go, well, they've got that. We don't believe the Bible, so we in, incorporate those things. And that's, that's, if you have the wrong structure, you've got the wrong wineskin that's rigid, that's not flexible, and you won't be able to handle the new wine. A wrong, I mean, a wrong wineskin, like, what's the Bible say about structure in the Bible? First of all, hierarchy is not in the Bible. Hierarchy means when you've got someone right up top and it's like a pyramid shape, right up top, then it's people underneath. It's like a corporate ladder, what the world would call the corporate ladder. And we've got a wine, it's a hierarchy. God's word actually teaches us, I hate the, the Nicolotians, is the laity and the clergy and the laity. When you separate between the clergy and the laity, I hate that spirit. I hate when you, when you say there's the real anointed ones, that's the full time ministers, you know, they're the pastors, the prophets, the evangelists, and then there's the the clergy, uh, sorry, the clergy, the laity are the beeps. Uh, they're, they're just the followers. No, God, that's not in the Bible. That's just not, you can't find it there. Deacons, believers, just normal believers like you and I, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. Believers can heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. 
No, you don't have to be an apostle to do that. You don't have to be an evangelist to do that. You just have to be a believer in Jesus. And so when we create, when we, when we oh, what's the word, uh, not interpret, we do interpret the way the world does when we bring it in. When we take their things, adopt their things into the church, the church should look like a family, not like a hierarchy thing. And so we as a church, the Bible, in the, in the, in the Bible, you cannot find uh, titles, for example, where Apostle Paul. You can't find it. It's just not in the Bible. Sorry. If you found a scripture that says Apostle Paul, please show it to me. But it says Paul the Apostle to Timothy, my son. He didn't say Pastor Timothy. He just said Timothy. Now, we've stood for that as a uh, church because we believe it's in the Bible. You look at the book of Acts, they first name basis, Paul to Luke, Peter. They called each other first name basis. I love that. Because it's just, it gets rid of these hierarchy titles and everything like that. Now, you might think that's nothing, but I'm telling you, it's the little things that we've got to stand for and say, God, if it's not in the Bible, if it's in the Word, then we do it. If it's not in the Word, then we don't do it. In other words, it's the Bible plus nothing, the Bible minus nothing. Now, we're not talking about things that are uh, abiblical, like lights. You can't find lights. You can find lamps in the Bible. You can't find electric lights. You can't find, you know videos but you know what they had a they had a they had a primitive form of social media you know what it was it's writing a letter that's still social media they had to write letters and send it the other side and that's how the new testament was formed by writing letters and so we use social media now we use videos we, why because it's abiblical it's completely different just for those things people that go oh but if it's on the bible you shouldn't do it we're talking, about, we're talking about the values. We're talking about the fruit. We're talking about the foundation of what the Bible says. For example, a church should be eldership-run, not board-driven. The problem with a board-driven church is a lot of times people are on the board that uh, don't even go to the church. And so they get based on their outward success and not character. The Bible teaches elders should be based and, and chosen, a qualification should be based on their character and not their skill. It's got about eight or ten characteristics that should be you know, chosen by and about one skill that's apt to teach. But you can always learn to, how to teach. It's a skill. But God's saying when you, when you choose elders, they should be qualified by their character, by their knowing God, by their fruits that they're walking in the character of God. And, and so they also uh, they live among the people. They, they actually lead. They're actually willing to lay down their life. A shepherd's willing to lay down life for their sheep. They're willing to die for their sheep. That's a picture of an elder rather than a board that runs a church that doesn't even go to church, to that church. And that's how the world runs it. It's unbiblical. You can't adopt that and say, God, bring your wine in this old wineskin. Denominations, sorry, but it's not in the Bible. Different denominations. I know we've erected denominations. We've created all sorts of movements and denominations and everything. Uh, probably thousands of them. But what's that? It's a, it's a breakaway from a doctrine. It's a breakaway from an argument or a, an offense. And, and we just create factions and frictions and divisions. The Word of God, Jesus, you read it in John chapter 17, it talks about when we are made one as the Father and Jesus is the one. When we are united and we are made one, then the world will believe. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about there's one Lord, one faith, one God, one baptism, one faith. And it says that when we all relate to the Apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher, that level of gifting that Jesus gives, apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers, we're all exposed and, and receive their ministry, brings us, brings us into the unity of the faith. We've tried to bring unity out of doctrine, unity out of conformity, 
unity out of the same method, the same personality, the same style of church. It's the way we do things. It's, it's all about method rather than faith. Unity of the faith is what brings us together. I'm believing, I believe this is from the Word of God. I believe when the church is mature enough as sons and daughters of the Most High God, that we will work together no matter what denomination brand you're back from because we belong to the King. And we see each other. When the church is mature enough to see everyone in the body of Christ, we belong to one Lord, one God, one faith, one baptism, one body. So that means the church down the road, denomination down the road, we still belong to the same God. doesn't matter what tag they've got. We see each other as one body. We see each other as family. We see each other as one kingdom. And we work together for that common good. See, when we all submit to the kingdom, when we actually preach the kingdom, when the whole church preaches the kingdom, this is the new thing that God's doing. This is the thing that God's realigning us. When I'm hearing, I heard so many people, uh, uh, prophetic words, I'm hearing that they're saying God is doing this new thing. And it's not just an apostolic vision or just a pastoral vision, even though we always need the apostolic and the pastoral vision, the, the, the main vision of the house. But every believer is going to have vision. 100%. That's always been in the Bible. It's not something new. You go into the Bible, that's how they lived. That Christianity was in the marketplace. They, they influenced the marketplace. They didn't go in buildings and just hit, hit themselves. Jesus' prototype, you look at the book of Matthew and, and the Gospels, miracles of Jesus, there were 58 outside of the synagogue building and eight inside of the synagogue building. 58 miracles that he did weren't even in the physical building. Out in the streets, out in the homes, out in the mountains, out where the people were at. So in other words, he's a prototype. And when we say God's bringing that back, he's going back to this, the original pattern that's in the Bible. The blueprint's already in the Word. It, it, it's not going to change. We've got to, we're actually, the revelation that we get is going back to what's already in there, in the Word of God. So I really believe that with all my heart. I believe um, that the, the unity that's going to come into the church is going to carry the wineskin. If you look at the book of Ezekiel chapter 47, the book of Ezekiel speaks of the river. And Zena, early on in, in our church uh, service online, she was speaking about the, that river where Ezekiel was taken by the angel of the Lord. And the river, she walked, the angel was taking the, the Ezekiel from bank to bank. And it, it was ankle deep, the river. Then it went to knee deep. Then it went to waist deep. Then it was a river that you could not walk across. You had to swim. Where the current takes you. Where the river has its own force and life. And you've got to let go. It's just this beautiful picture of surrender and trust. The river comes from the temple where God is, the throne. And this river of life. And I, when I think of the river, I don't think of just spirit. I think of river of life. I think of the Word of God. The Word comes out of you. When you, when you speak the Word of God, that's the river coming out of you. And so it's everything about who God is. The river is the Word and the Spirit. When it, when it flows the river, when we let go, that river is life. But the river is nothing if it doesn't have banks. Again, the banks speak of that wineskin, that structure that's supposed to be biblical so it can contain the new wine and it can contain the river. It says where the river flows, there's life everywhere. There's trees of all, on both sides of the banks producing fruit every month. I believe that's speaking of the believer, sons and daughters of the king, that, that produce fruit that the nations can eat from. And it says, wherever the river goes, it brings life and, and, and life to whatever it touches. That's a beautiful picture, but you need banks. And he goes, where there's no banks, yes, it's not so with the marsh and the swamps. That's just dead. Because a marsh and a swamp has no banks. 
So banks are vital. Banks is structure. Everything, everyone has structure. You know, we've got to get rid of structure because uh, structure is not from God. No, everyone has structure. Meeting every Sunday is a structure. Eldership, deacons is a structure. It's just God's structure. When you have God's way, it, it can contain. And when God says all believers are anointed, that's a structure. That's a belief system. That's, a, that's the wine skin that can handle the new wine. We've got to get back to the new wine skin. So the, the, the new wine skin that's flexible, that's God-given. So when the new wine comes, it doesn't spill, doesn't break the wine skin and doesn't ruin people. There's been a lot of people that had revival with the old wineskin. God will pour it out if you're hungry. God, if you're just hungry, God will pour it out. And it might last two or three or four years, but a lot of times it was corrupted by man. Not just a lot of times, all the time. Because if, if it wasn't corrupted by man, it would have just kept flowing. It would have lasted. And I believe God wants to, yeah, habitation. That's God's design. Habitation, not just visitation. But that was in the Bible. That's God's original intent, intent of the gospel. The gospel is to reunite us with God. To bring us back in relationship with God. Now God lives in me everywhere I go, everywhere you go. God is with you. That's the gospel. We're seated with Christ. Picture that. I'm seated. You're seated with Christ. I love the picture of seated. So I have to work. I'm not striving. Imagine when you're seated right next to the throne. You think you want to say something to God. You think you want to work. to, to Just sit. Because it's all done. It's all finished. Jesus did it all for you. Completed everything. So when we understand what the Bible says, when we're talking about the new thing, the, the paradigm shift, the, what God is doing in the season is reset and realignment and repentance, 100% true. But remember, we're realigning to the Word. We're realigning to Jesus' prototype. He's the prototype. We're realigning with revelation knowledge to what God already revealed in the Word of God. It's already been in the New Testament. Um, when I think of the, the Word of God, it, it, I can... There's so many things I, I want to share on. Um, God, you know, God, in this season, God wants to get rid of idols. But guess what? That was written in the Bible. It's not a new thing. Uh, in, in first, I want to read it to you. In um, first John chapter 5, verse 21, he finishes the whole letter. John, the beloved apostle who sat and, and rested his face on Jesus' chest. It's so close to Jesus. He says at the end, little children, keep yourselves from idols. So be it. That's how he finished. Amen. You might think that's nothing. That was powerful. Little children, this is so vital. Keep yourselves from idols. Make sure idols don't grip your heart. Make sure you don't put an idol is anything that takes the place of God. Don't give an idol your whole affection, your whole time, your whole energy where it takes you away from your love and affection to God as number one. Jesus says, if you're going to love me, you have to love me with all your heart. Because you have to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. You're not worthy to be my disciple. That's what he says. I'm excited, you can tell, because I believe this. I believe this is the way we get back. You know, um, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, 42, again, the pattern is in the Bible. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine or teaching and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. There's four things there that, that did, did, they did. They connected to four things. The apostles' doctrine, the apostles' teaching, the word of God, the fellowship, the fellowship of one another. That word fellowship is kononia. It means partnership with one another. You can't do this Christian life on your own. 
If you try, I'm telling you, what, I'm telling you now, you'll get smashed. If you try to be isolated, the enemy wants to isolate you. Yes, we've been, we've been isolated in our homes, but you can't be isolated in spirit. You can't be, I'm doing this by myself because God put us, brought us into kononia. That's the fellowship of family. In the breaking of bread, I believe that's talking about eating food together, yes, and the breaking of the body of Jesus together. Remembering what we're about, the communion of our relationship with Jesus and all that Jesus did for us, remembering. That's the whole focus and purpose. You see, when we come back, and when I heard that these prophets and men and women of God are saying that God's bringing us back to the kingdom and it's about the king and his kingdom, it's all about Jesus. Again, that's always in the Bible. That's just always there. Always about Jesus. Jesus is supreme. He should be our focus of all that we do. Everything we preach about, everything we speak about, everything should be towards Jesus because he's king. And, and so it's the gospel of the kingdom. And you can release priests. You can release the priesthood of all believers, you know, because that's in the Bible, that every believer can be free when they all are submitted to the king and the gospel of the kingdom. So when their mandate is, I'm, my mandate from the king is to preach the gospel, this gospel of the kingdom, and to make disciples of all nations. That's our mandate. So when every believer is submitted to the king, then you can totally take the limits off a believer because you, you, I could never hear the voice of God and the call of God for every believer in our church. It's impossible. No pastor can. But I want them to hear God's voice and they are, they're, they're, their boundaries is the Word of God. It's Jesus the King, loving Jesus, glorifying Jesus. If they're fully submitted to the King, fully uh, wanting to give glory to Jesus, I want to preach this gospel of the, uh, of the kingdom, I want to make disciples of all nations and they're submitted to that mandate, that mission, then they're free to, they're free to obey. They're free to take the limits off. Go for it. Can you see the protection there when they're submitted to the king? When they go back to the wineskin of the word of God, that's the wineskin, the mandate, the mission, the gospel of the kingdom. It protects, it protects people so they can be free and you go for it. Go for it. Hear God and obey. Um, so I want to... I want to encourage you, if you, want to, if you want to test to see, you know, when, when you read all this, it talks about the, if, if all believers are priests, that means all believers should be laborers. Jesus said that the, the, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers. So we need laborers, we need workers. I believe all believers are laborers. All believers should be serving. If you're in Kononia, that's fellowship, you should be connected to that person and people in relationship and serving one another's needs. So serving is a big part of kononia, a big part of partnership and being connected to God. It's lost my train of thought. I'm just trying to remember it. Um, that's right. If God says laborers, everyone should be laborers, that means there's no such thing. God's getting rid of spectator Christianity. God's getting rid of consumer Christianity. Why is God doing that shift? Do you know why? Because it was never in the Bible. It's never in the Bible. I can't find spectator Christianity in the Bible. I can't find um, consumer uh, Christianity in the Bible. What does it mean by a consumer? Where we go to church on Sunday and everything's there for me. I want to be receiving the Word of God. Please give me the Word. I don't want to serve. I don't want to help. I don't want to connect. I don't want to fellowship. I don't want to be in connect groups. just want to come on Sunday. That's consumer. Please hear my heart. If you want to test your heart, this is a time where God's judging the church and testing the church. If you only have connection to the church on Sunday, this is dangerous times to live in. 
because God is, again, shaking the nations of the world. And I don't believe this is the first one, that, you know, the shutdown of church buildings and all that. We're going to have many, 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 many shake-ups and shaking of the nations in the next, who knows, 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 years until Jesus comes back. We don't know when Jesus comes back, but I'm telling you what, there's going to be a shaking. The book of Revelation tells me about the, about the wrath of God. And I look at the, the outpourings. I look at the, 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 the bowls and the trumpets. And, and some of them are meteorites falling from heaven to the ocean and to the planet. And one hits the sun. I mean, that's going to be pretty bad if you, if you happen to be still here. Uh, all I'm saying is that there's going to be a shaking. And we have to be connected. This is the season. Don't get my heart is to encourage us, don't be apathetic in this time. Don't fall asleep spiritually. Some are literally falling asleep. And, and got, in, a, in a sense, some idols have been removed because we've been isolated. But we're, we're putting other idols there. We're putting other idols in our hearts because you can't get rid of idols unless you replace that area in your heart with your relationship with Jesus with your love relationship with Jesus. I believe it's only a love relationship with Jesus, King Jesus, and getting revelation of all who He is and how beautiful He is and all that He's done for us and being in that intimate relationship, getting revelation from the King that gets rid of idols. It's the only way. So that means you have to, how do you know that you're not a spectator Christian? How do you know that you're not a consumer Christian? Let me give you four things quickly. The first one is having Spending time with the Lord in prayer and worship and spending time in His Word and just spending time with Jesus. And obviously we use the Word of God, the Bible, to communicate with Him and He speaks to us. Do you spend time with the Lord? You know, I don't know if I've got time, Leo. I've got to go to work. I'm busy. I've got this. I've got that. I've got this. I've got children. I've got to take them there. I've got to take them to sport. I've got to take them there. I don't know. I've got time to read the Bible. Don't be a spectator Christian. Don't be a consumer Christian. You're talking about your Lord. You've got time for what you prioritize. I've got time for what I prioritize and what I think is important in my life. If you think something's important, you'll give it time. Let's make Jesus the number one importance of our life. So if you're not spending time with God, if you look and go, Leo, I don't think I have, then judge yourself. Paul said in the Corinthians, judge yourself to see whether you're of the faith. In other words, judge your own heart and go, hang on, I don't think I'm spending time with God at all then fix it, please. I, I encourage you in all humility, fix it. Spend time with God. Because in this season, God's trying to bring you, shake the nations, whatever's the foundation. If you built your, your foundation on the wrong foundation, so your life on the wrong foundation, He's shaking it to get it built on the right foundation. So that repentance, that realignment, that resetting means, okay, my priority has to be you, Lord. I will make sure I spend time with you. That's number one. You've got to do that. I, we keep saying it. I will keep saying it until we know we're all doing it. We're all living it. So that's vital. Uh, that's absolutely vital. Number two, if you want to know if you're a spectator Christian, consumer Christian, and if uh, are, we, are we coming in realignment, alignment to God, it's this fellowship word. Some people say fellowship means, it is kononia, but some people say it's like two fellows on a ship. Man, when you're two fellows, two fellows on a ship or on a boat, man, you're fully committed. You've got to talk face to face. You're connected. You're doing everything together. You're doing life together. It's, it's that partnership. The word kononia means partnership and sharing with one another. So I, I, I believe the enemy wants to isolate people. He wants to take you out by keeping you isolated. It's so easy. If you, any, anyone remembers the Yellow Pages many, many years ago? I used to use that as an example. But if this was the Yellow Pages and I tried to rip the Yellow Pages, you'll never be able to rip the Yellow Pages because it's about this thick. But each one, each page by itself, shh, 
It's easy to rip a page by itself, but when the pages are put together, strengthens each other, enforces the strength, and you can't break that yellow's pages. Matches are the same. Matches easy by itself. I snapped the match, but matches in t- together reinforces the strength of each other, and you can't break it. The enemy wants to isolate you. If you say, I don't know about going to church. I don't think I need to go to church. I don't think I need to be in a body or in a family or in a, in a place where I'm a... You, there's so many things in the Bible you can't live. There's so many things in the Bible you can't forgive one another, love one another, bear with one another, share with one another. You can't submit to one another. It's all in the Bible. And the Bible says, submit to your elders. If you're not in a church family and you don't even go somewhere, you can't even submit to your elders. You can't even obey them because you're not going anywhere. Think about how the enemy has stooped you or lied to you. If you I'm a still a Christian, but I don't go anywhere. I just am a Christian from home. I read the Bible. I, I, I live for Jesus. I, I, I even um, read the Bible and follow the Bible. No, you don't. Sorry, you don't follow the Bible because there's so many things in the Bible tells you to be. Do not forsake the assemblies of yourselves together. Be together. So when the church gathers again, be in a church. Belong in a family. Be a part of that family. That means belonging, dealing with offense. Don't get up when you get offended to another, get to another family or another church. Stay. Work through it. This is true test that you're not a spectator. You're not a consumer. Kononia. The other one is breaking bread. I, I want to quickly say breaking a bread is sharing with one another, but it's also sharing your faith. Because it's about the communion of Jesus, the communion of the body. We share our faith everywhere we go. Because God, the King, gave us this commandment. Go make disciples. So we share our faith everywhere. And the last one is prayer, communicating with God, spending time in His presence. God is realigning, in the, realigning you, realigning, realigning me, realigning us, resetting us. What is it He is resetting us to? What is He bringing us back to? The Word of God. It's already revealed. The New Testament Christianity, new creation realities. It's in the Bible. It's nothing new. It's in there. So when we do repent, we do change perspective and and get rid of our priorities. We're going back to what Jesus is and who Jesus is. He's the prototype. Amen. I believe God is resetting your life right now. Can I pray for us? Can I pray for us right now? Father, I thank you so much for every person that's heard this word, that they heard it not from me, not from my heart, but from the heart of God. That this is God's word. Lord, they can judge it. They can test it. They can look up the Scriptures of all that that I've said. And they can see that it's in the Word of God. This is the heart of God. He wants us to come back to the Word of God as our pattern, our wineskin, our banks, so that the wine can come, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the river could flow because we got banks. I ask you, Father, for every single person that needs to prioritize you in their life. Right now, make that adjustment. Make that decision. Just do it before Him. Surrender that part of your life. Say, God... I'm sorry. I repent for not putting you first, for not spending time with you. You love me dearly. Not out of legalism, not out of have to, not because of duty, because I want to spend time with the loving King, the beautiful King. We thank you, Lord. We thank you right now. We align ourselves to this Word. In Jesus' name. listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.